The title of my homily this morning is The Power of a Forgiven Sinner. Here I'm using the word power in a positive sense. Normally, of course, when people use the words power and sin in the same sentence, they do it in order to say something negative about power. His sin was rooted in his desire for more power. He misused his power and committed a sin against his neighbor. But when I speak here of power, the power of a forgiven sinner, I'm using the word in its positive sense as the power to do good, as the power to influence other people for the better, as the power to bring good out of evil. That's the kind of power a sinner has if and when he or she repents. In today's Gospel, for example, a sinful woman crashes a dinner party that Jesus is at at Simon the Pharisee's house, and she honors Jesus through her acts of repentance. She kisses his feet, she washes them with her tears, she dries them with her hair, and she anoints them with ointment. Now the question I have is this. How many people have been changed in a positive way by this woman in the last 2,000 years? How many sinners, and I mean really big sinners, have read this woman's story in the Bible and been moved to repentance? How many of them have said to themselves, well, I guess there's some hope for me after all. If Jesus can forgive this woman for her horrific sins, he must be able to forgive me for mine. That's the power of a forgiven sinner. It's the same power that St. Paul had after his conversion experience. In that second reading from Galatians 2, Paul sounds rather saintly as he writes, I have been crucified with Christ, yet I live no longer I, but Christ lives in me. Insofar as I know, now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who has loved me and given himself up for me. Well, that's very nice, but as we all know, Paul was not always so holy. Prior to getting flattened by Jesus, literally, on the road to Damascus one day, Paul was a blasphemer, a persecutor, a man filled with arrogance. And those are not my words. Those are the words Paul uses to describe himself in his first letter to St. Timothy. And yet in that same passage from 1 Timothy 1, Paul says the following, You can depend on this as worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of these I myself am the worst. But on that very account, I was dealt with mercifully, so that in me, as an extreme case, Jesus Christ might display all his patience, and that I might become an example to those who would later have faith in him and gain everlasting life. Paul was not happy that he had sinned. 
He was not happy that he had sinned so grievously as a young Pharisee by persecuting Jesus and by persecuting Jesus' church. But Paul understood that because he had sincerely repented of those sins and been forgiven by Jesus, he had a certain power in his life. The power to be an example of conversion to those who would later have faith in Christ, to use his words. That is to say, to all of us. That's the power of a forgiven sinner. The reason I'm preaching on this subject this morning is because of a conversation I had during the pilgrimage I led to Spain and Portugal a couple of months ago. A woman who was on that trip said to me one day, Father Ray, I hope that at some point during this year of mercy, you reach out and speak to women who have had abortions. She said to me, those women need to know that God still loves them. They need to know that God's mercy is available to them. I said to the woman, that's a very good idea. I promise you, I will do that when the Holy Spirit gives me the right set of readings to make the point. Well, the Holy Spirit has done that big time this weekend. I've already mentioned the Gospel in the second reading, but even the first reading points us to the mercy of God, the forgiving grace of God which is available to even the worst of sinners. In this reading, the prophet Nathan confronts David, King David, about two serious sins that he had recently committed and had up to this point ignored, namely adultery and murder. Most of us know the story. David had committed adultery with a woman named Bathsheba, and in the process, Bathsheba had become pregnant with David's child. Well, at that moment, David should have repented, and he would have been forgiven by the Lord, but he didn't do that. Instead, Instead of admitting his sin and turning away from it, David decided to try to manipulate the situation to make it appear that Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was actually the father of the child. The plot backfired, but David still didn't give up, and he really took matters into his own hands. He decided to get rid of the problem by getting rid of Uriah. So he arranged to have Uriah killed in battle. In effect, that made David guilty of two capital sins, adultery and murder, a fact that Nathan makes very clear to him in today's first reading. Thankfully, David repented at that moment. He responded with sincere repentance. And that repentance was immediate. He said, I have sinned against the Lord. And God's forgiveness, it should be noted, was also immediate, instantaneous. Nathan immediately said to the king, The Lord, for his part, has forgiven your sin. You shall not die. At that moment, at the moment that David opened his heart to the Lord and received God's forgiveness for the terrible things he had done, King David received a new power in his life that was actually greater than the power he had as king. It was the power to inspire others to a sincere and deep repentance. 
And David has done that now for a lot of centuries, especially through Psalm 51, which he wrote after the Lord had forgiven him. That's a psalm that begins with the words, Have mercy on me, God, in your kindness, in your compassion blot out my offense, wash me more and more from my guilt, and cleanse me of my sin. If you have had an abortion and have received the Lord's forgiveness for that sin in the sacrament of reconciliation, I have some good news for you. The good news is you have a similar power now in your life, a power that Almighty God wants you to use for good. It's a power that I don't have. It's a power that the Pope in Rome doesn't have. You have the power to speak to other women from experience. You have the power to speak from experience with power and conviction to women who are being tempted to make the same mistake that you made. You can warn them in a way that I can't. You can influence them in a way I can't. You can tell them there's a better choice that they can make. And chances are, they will listen to you because of what you've been through. And hopefully in the process, you will help to save a life, or two, or three, or more. Pope St. John Paul II said it beautifully, said it perfectly in his encyclical, The Gospel of Life, when he wrote these words. He said, I would now like to say a special word to women who have had an abortion. The Church is aware of the many factors which may have influenced your decision, and she does not doubt that in many cases it was a painful and even shattering decision. The wound in your heart may not yet have healed. Certainly what happened was and remains terribly wrong. But do not give in to discouragement and do not lose hope. Try rather to understand what happened and face it honestly. If you have not already done so, give yourselves over to humility and trust, to repentance. The Father of Mercies is ready to give you his forgiveness and peace in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. To the same Father and his mercy, you can, with sure hope, entrust your child. With the friendly and expert help and advice of other people, and as a result of your own painful experience, you can be among the most eloquent defenders of everyone's right to life. Through your commitment to life, whether by accepting the birth of other children or by welcoming and caring for those most in need of someone to be close to them, you will become promoters of a new way of looking at human life. The power of a forgiven sinner is a power that God wants all of us to have. And it's a power that God wants all of us 
to use, regardless of what our sins are. Like King David, like St. Paul, and like the woman in today's Gospel story, may each and every one of us give to God what he wants.